Thrive Church weekly message. We hope you enjoy this message and we pray that it blesses you. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit thrivechurch.co.nz. Welcome. It's just amazing to gather together um, and really honour the main reason that we are actually here, and that is Jesus. Um, but, you know, <laughs> he, yeah, Christ in me, right? And Christ in all of you too. Hey, uh, just, yeah, welcome to church as well. And if you're new here along today, it's just so good to have you joining with us. And we just, yeah, we just really hope that you're just blessed um, during the service and that God really impacts your heart. We believe that he is the one who holds everything together. He is the author and the perfecter of our faith, and he just wants to engage with our lives. Actually, it's funny, during worship, I had this, I kept thinking about Roadrunner and the Coyote and the Anvil. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? You know how as soon as, you know, Roadrunner set up the Coyote with an Anvil, he was going to fall off the cliff, and, you know, and that Anvil was so heavy that in, in those cartoons that nothing could you know, you couldn't shake it. As soon as the anvil turned up, you knew that someone was in trouble, that someone wasn't going there. And I just had a real sense during our worship time this morning, and I just saw our lives connected to the substance of the bigness of who God is. Like, God is big in your life. He is so for you. You don't know what He's doing in your life, but if you could see how massive He is. And the other thing about an anvil is that they used to shape things around them. Like you'd make uh, like horses' um, feet, hoop, not hooves, shoes, those things, you know. Anyway, they would shape and the anvil would always win. And I just want to, like God is shaping our lives He's calling us to be shaped around who He is. And if you're in a season where it's like, man, this is tough, I'm just like, my faith is hard. And it's just like, man, what's God doing to me? I want to tell you that He is shaping you and causing you for a great work. He is totally with you at this time. Uh, so just wanted to share that uh, with you this morning. Also, this Wednesday night for our Thrive Discovery, Deb and I are actually, we're leading that first one, and it's a DNA night. It's a little bit, it's a, like, we open our heart to why we're here and what we believe God's calling us to as a church. And if you've never experienced one of those, those nights, just a DNA night, we just want to welcome you uh, to come along here on Wednesday night. That'll be great to see you. Hey, so also this morning, I just want to say, uh, like, just well done on 21 Days of breakthrough. Like, so good. Just give yourselves a clap right now. Woo! I think this is our last day today. And, um, and it's just been so exciting to hear the different testimonies and reports of people just who have just lent into God. Some people have fasted and prayed, and, and, and we've seen different testimonies happen um, throughout this 21 days. And this is, we just went, this is not the, the end of anything. This is just the, the start of something great. And I just want to honor you all for just saying, actually, it's, it may have been tough. I may have sacrificed something. But what you've invested in, there's going to be fruit from that. 
there's going to be great things come out of those 21 days that you've been just leaning into God for. So go you good things. I want to share a testimony from an awesome guy uh, called Devin who's given me permission. Uh, this is about reconciliation, and this has just happened over this 21-day period. And he, said, he sent me this in text. He said, after some family disagreements, my dad decided not to have any contact with us. So we hadn't spoken to each other for over a year and a half. But just a couple of weeks ago, after much prayer and believing, and the event of his dad, um, that's my grandfather, not mine, but Devin's, uh, passing away, he called my wife to apologize. We've since met and forgiven each other and cried those happy tears. Only God can take such a sad event such as Pop's dying and turn it into his glory. God is so good. God is so good. Like He is into reconciliation. And I just, I'm believing for anyone out here there who's just got a heart towards their parents or children that you're like, man, I just want to just get closer. I just want them to know the love of God and I want to see like the fruit of His goodness reach their lives. I'm believing for your breakthrough. We're believing together that all relationships around our lives as families actually should have a, a dynamic of a heart flow where you would know that there is no walls between you know, your father and yourself, that, that you're called to have a relationship of closeness with your family members. So this is a great testimony for you to take a hold of and go, do it again, God. Do it again in my world. This morning, I'm just going to be sharing from, um, from the New Testament, from the book of Hebrews. And so this was written after Jesus uh, was alive over 2,000 years ago. And this, this is from Hebrews 11. This is uh, Hebrews 11, like go home and read the whole chapter. It's so inspiring and it, helps, and it kind of puts context around to what faith is. And it starts by saying faith is, you know, it's like faith is the certainty of things hoped for and the assurance of things unseen. And then this chapter talks about how these people had incredible assurance in what God was going to do. And then he went on and he did these great things because they engaged with what they saw God saying over their lives. And so I'm going to start from verse 30 right now. And then we're going to just read a little bit of this. So it says this, it was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and then the walls came crashing down. That's an awesome story. It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed uh, with the people of her city who refused to obey God for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of faith. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions. They quenched the flames of fire and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Are these are mountaintop moments. This is a great collective of incredible dynamics of God breaking through and bringing change and shifts to reality just because these people took a hold of what they saw God saying for their lives. These are like the ultimate breakthrough 21 moments that we want to celebrate. But I want to, you know, I know that there's some people out there who have done these last 21 days and you're saying, actually, that is not my reality. Uh, how do I do this life when I'm just having a little bit of trouble just getting out of, uh, out of bed right now? And you may feel like this guy in this picture um, uh, this morning. 
is like, oh my gosh, I'm not having a breakthrough moment. In fact, I'm squashed with life. Like life is hard and it's a, I'm in a tough place in my life. I have actually prayed and I haven't seen the answers uh, that I was looking for. And God actually just didn't show up when I thought he was going to and I didn't receive my breakthrough. And I want to just actually just say in our church family, it's totally cool for you to be having these moments. It's not probably where you want to be, but... I want to tell you it's okay for you to say that these last 21 days actually uh, it hasn't been a breakthrough time. And in this current season of my life, I feel like I'm just hanging on for dear life actually. You know, that's, that's okay. And I don't want anyone to feel like or wear any, any shame that you have seen someone else have a breakthrough and you haven't, haven't had that breakthrough for yourself. I want to encourage you though to celebrate the breakthroughs that you see in the people of others' lives. Like God loves you as much as the person sitting next to you and he is doing great stuff in behind the scenes that you don't even, uh, you don't even know about. Like maybe you actually feel this morning that you've been like banging on heaven's door saying like God just answer me. I just, I've like been praying and you've got raw, raw knuckles. I want to encourage you with this scripture from Matthew 7, 7 from the Amplified. It says, keep on asking and it will be given to you. Keep on seeking and you will find, keep on knocking and the door will be opened. He's the God. He is setting you up. He is setting your life up. He is behind that door. He is working out the perfect timing for you. He's positioning other people around you. He hears your prayers and he is with you in this season. So this morning, though, I just want to bring another layer into kind of like what breakthrough um, looks like uh, over our lives, not just from a 21-day perspective, but from actually a generational perspective perspective because we've just talked about Hebrews 11 haven't we and we've like we've looked at this and we've been like they are incredible moments for people to triumph in their life like God has actually broken through and we can we can see that but after you read Hebrews 11 or actually during the towards the end of this of Hebrews 11 you 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 actually start seeing that there's a lot of people in there that that actually passed away not seeing the victory that they hoped for. And so I just want to read you this text, and this is the closing out of Hebrews 11. And just hang on in there, because this text, it's pretty raw stuff. It says this, But others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at, and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prison, some died by stoning, some were sword in half, and others were killed with a sword. Some went about uh, wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. And then in the Amplified Version, it says this to close it out. It says, and all of these though they gained divine approval through their faith, did not receive the fulfillment of what was promised. Because God had us in mind and had something better for us, so that they, these men and women of authentic faith, would not be made perfect, that is, complete in Him, apart from us. 
It's, there's something for us to get our head around in the Scripture this morning. These faith legends, these people that were sawn in two, that were run through, that spent their lives fleeing oppression, these people died with unfulfilled dreams. They actually didn't get to see the reality of everything that they were hoping to see in their lives. And, and then it says, though, it says that these men and women of authentic faith would not be made perfect or complete in Him apart from us. We have a connection. The writer of Hebrews was Paul, and he could see that he had a connection with the faith of these ones that never saw their destiny realized. It's saying here that their faith and their prayers were destined to become fully realized and fully germinated and fully fulfilled in another generation. It's, it's quite profound that, that their faith did not die with them, that their faith actually superseded their life and was connected to the following generation. And that generation said, well, I'm going to actually rise up in the faith of that preceding generation. And I want to tell you today that you are actually, if you're here and you understand grace and have been and had an encounter with Jesus and know the salvation and the love of the Father, then you, then you know that you're actually, yes, you're living in grace, but you're also living in the wake of another generation that has gone before you. You're, you're living in the benefits of those pioneers, your grandparents, your great-grandparents, your, maybe your spiritual fathers and mothers who have contended for your life, for the seat that you're sitting on. Even in this own church, other people have contended for that seat. They've contended for this space. They've contended for this room that we live in. And we've got, like right now in, in 2017, I think that's where we're at, we've got so many spiritual and emotional benefits that we probably take for granted as we walk in here or as we just do life in general that another generation had to break through for. And some of these things are incredibly practical. Like, man, in church life today, we have such a better understanding of emotional health. We, we, don't like, we, we know that we don't just have to try harder and just, just have more faith and just white-knuckle it until like your world falls apart. But with, there's a part of us that was emotional. And we've got to look after the soul and make sure that we're just you know, taking care of that, si uh, that side of us. Also, another great practical thing that's happened over the last 20, 30 years is that there's incredible research and information on parenting and marriage. Like just understanding like, oh yeah, that's why God calls people into marriage and why there's this oneness. And it's just incredible. There's great tools like um, Prepare and Enrich that are used for um, getting prepared for marriage and then enriching your marriage. They're amazing. You know, 25 years ago, woman in ministry was actually widely frowned upon in church. Like that, for a woman to be leading a church was just like, that is out of the box. That all the religious people just couldn't understand that. And so in our own church, we have Lynn through here, my mother-in-law, and she actually led this church for 10 years and pioneered a way for women in ministry. And I watched the pain of that as well. That was not an easy thing for Lynn to do. But she has made a way to normalize actually the freedom of women in expressing the ministry and leadership gifts, uh, not only in this region, but in the nations as well, because she was greatly connected to our church movement. Come on. Yeah. Go, you girls. <laughs> we got, I don't know, stopping there. 
We've got a greater understanding of grace, I believe, than what we had 20 years ago. We understand, like the Father's heart for us, that we are deeply loved, sons and daughters. And I remember when I first had this kind of whole God experience as a 13-year-old, I didn't really know what was happening, but I almost felt like I, I was told what I had to do to keep my grace. I had to pray 30 minutes every day. I had to read my Bible. I, and, you know, and, I, and I was always scared that if I didn't do that for a week, I'd be living under this condemnation. And we know that praying and reading the Word is a great, like that's a great part of our lives, but it's an expression of what Jesus has done. This is, someone had to fight for that, for that reality. Someone had to contend for that so that we can live in the freedom that we have today. So my message title today is called Legacy, The Kingdom Now and to Come. Because we're a church also that we, we love how Jesus said, like, let it, pray like this, people. Pray like this. Father, your name's holy, but let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. You know, Jesus, He was doing on earth what He saw in heaven, and He did that on a daily basis. And so we want to believe that it is kingdom now, and we want to have the kind of faith that activates kingdom now in our world, because that's what faith is. It's an assurance. It's a now. It's like I'm seeing something. I'm going to believe it, and I'm going to see God's call uh, fulfilled in my life. So I don't want to throw a wet blanket over your dreams, uh, but some of those promises that you're actually believing for and holding on to and, and, and just this is what I've seen and I believe my life is about this but some of those promises are actually going to be exported from your life and your children or your grandchildren are actually going to see the total fulfillment and the freedom of those promises the Bible shows us right through Scripture that every generation had something, well, could have had something to give to that preceding generation. And our faith is going to be actually exported into the, into the lives of our children, and our children are going to stand taller on our shoulders than what we could have. And I want to see us become a church that is mature. I want to see myself become mature and realize that my life is not just about myself not just about my, you know, my great call of God. <laughs> you know, it's not really. It's actually about making room for others. So making room for others now and then, and then in 50 years' time as my life made room for the generations that have flowed from me. I've got a nice little, um, little white box here that I'm sure that you're wondering, like, what has he got on stage in his little white box? Who loves to make nachos? Like, Nachos, woo! It's kind of like the cop-out husband food. Uh, no, <laughs> it's the Friday night food that has been for years in our family, on and off. Like we do have great food uh, all the time. Debbie's out the back. That's okay. I can say whatever I want. Uh, and <laughs> and so with the nachos, we've got some different ingredients, and the idea is that each one, you know, you, you use a few things for your nachos. You got your chili beans. You got your sour cream. I didn't, didn't bring any mints. Uh, you, and cheese as well is good. But we've got the corn chips here. Do you know that each one of these ingredients, like the, the, the goodness of the taste of nachos is dependent really on the freshness of what's going into the nachos. And so each one of these things here, they've got, like this thing, these, these beans here, they've, they've been put in a can. 
That can there, that is preserving their shelf life. As long as these don't go sit in the oven or in, into the tropics, I, I, you know, these things are going to be stable, I don't know, for years, maybe. Uh, so that good in a can. This thing here, if that doesn't get in the fridge and it sits outside, it's in trouble. Like the, the cool air is going to preserve the reality of the goodness of sour cream. On the back of our corn chips here, um, we've got some really unusual ingredients like malt doxithrin acidity regulators. Those good things are actually in there preserving the life of these chips and assuring the crunchiness of them. I'm sure they're so good for you. <laughs> Oh yeah, so man, it's the, the goal is to preserve the life of the food so it's going to taste really awesome. I want to tell you that unlike this food, our faith and our prayers do not have an expiry date. They do not die. Your faith will never die. The, the, the legacy that you're leaving with your life right now is going to live on to preceding generation. Your unanswered prayers are going to outlive by you. There is no use by date to the faith that you are carrying today. Enduring faith is nothing like a microwave. It's more like a hungy or a slow cooker. And we know how good like meat tastes when it's been through the slow cooker. Like God is, he is incubating sometimes those dreams. It's like this is, this is something good on your life here, but this is called to go on. This is called to, to someone else is called to see the fullness of this. I want to tell you today that your faith doesn't need special additives. It, it, it does need the right environment. You're like, don't get me wrong there, but if you feel like you've got small faith today, you're in a great space because Jesus said, faith the size of a mustard seed can move mountains. And he actually says that everyone has faith, even the unbelievers, whether they don't know it or not, that they have faith that God is there. It's incredible. The prophet Isaiah, this guy lived about 700 years uh, before Jesus and before John the Baptist. And Isaiah never met them, obviously, but he has this incredible faith declaration in the book of Isaiah about John the Baptist. And it echoed through 700 years of not meeting John, but it went out there and he declared it. And he said this about John the Baptist in the Gospel of Matthew. It's translated as well. He says, uh, John's going to be like, he's a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord and make straight paths for him. See, Isaiah had taken something that he had seen in God and he said, there's going to be a man who needs to prepare the way for Jesus Christ. It's not going to be, Jesus isn't going to be the fit, like he's going to be amazing, but Jesus needs this guy who was John the Baptist. And so John the Baptist, his life and his ministry was actually connected to the words and the faith that Isaiah spoke out 700 years before. Isn't that amazing? These words that, that were spoken about 700 years before. And so when John the Baptist, he came onto the scene, he also had this awareness that his life was about making a way for another person or someone else and others to follow in his footsteps. See, John said this about Jesus, and they lived around the same time as well. He said, I must decrease so that he can increase. 
John was recognising that his life was about preparing the way for Jesus to be fully realised and fully awesome on the world. And then Jesus himself, Jesus is there and he's milk and, milk and honey, that's not what he did. He was loaves and fishes and walking on water and, and um, you know, raising the dead. And he had this incredible um, ministry of miracles that just cannot be refuted. And, 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 but Jesus himself, he said this to his disciples who he knew would uh, outlive him. And he said, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on your, you. See, Jesus knew that unless he got out of the way, that the Holy Spirit wouldn't actually be able to come to earth and, and, and the power of God wouldn't be able to touch people's lives. Jesus saw himself in the tapestry and the beauty and the mosaic of the, the story, of the story of grace that was, that was passed down through the, the, the Bible and through, through history. See, the, the Bible says that, that one day that the glory of God is going to cover the earth like waters cover the sea. Every generation is called to build on that preceding generation, but then every generation generation is called to look beyond themselves to the next generation and to realize that faith actually is not just about me. It's actually something that God has called me to actually uh, to, to take up in my heart to give out to other people. See, these guys were all about creating legacy. And, and the word legacy simply means this, something transmitted by or received from an ancestor or predecessor. I want to tell you that our children tomorrow are going to thank us for transmitting the faith that we have today. Uh, maybe you're feeling like, man, it's against all odds that I just made it to church. It's against all odds that my, I'm, you know, my faith is is just there. I want to, I just pray for increase over your life today, but your children are going to thank you for what you've done and for the steps of faith that you've taken. They're going to, uh, they're going to thank you for having enduring hearts that pressed on to, you know, to take hold of that for which Jesus has taken a hold of us. They're going to thank you. They're going to honour you. And even as a church, as we consider this awesome building opportunity that we want to be able to talk a little bit more about, that we're waiting for a bit more information on, we're going to have an opportunity to do something great, to build something great for our children. And they will know that God's gone ahead of them and prepared a space where they can experience the fullness of Christ. And they're going to be able to do that because the previous generation, they were ready to sacrifice. They were ready to say, this is not about me. This is about creating legacy. This is about my life echoing across the generations that followed me. Bill Johnson, he's an amazing pastor uh, with, with Bethel Church. Check out their, pod, uh, their podcast or iBethel TV. He's been such an encourager for about over 15 years. He's like the father that he doesn't even know that I'm like a son and he's like out there and it's awesome. He's, um, but he says this in his bio, he says, I'm a fifth generation pastor on my dad's side of the family, fourth on my mum's. My three children are now the sixth generation of pastors. And you can see in his life this incredible wealth and depth of the expression of God's momentum across the generations. And hear me in this. I don't want to say that pastoring is the greatest high call of God because, you know, it's a great call. But 
everyone, every generation, whether you're a sixth generation builder or a, a sixth generation preschool teacher or whatever, like this incredible legacy that you're called to live in and an expression of grace and love that is called to flow from the generations, from our lives. And I want to encourage you to be someone who preserves and stewards the legacy that you're called to. Faith gains momentum across the generations. Our faith has a family line. Joshua, uh, we love, uh, for believers here, we know all about Joshua. He was a, an amazing Bible hero. hero. He, he, he was a man who, who was defined by leadership and, and breakthrough. And a little bit of his story, he, he spied out the promised land. Before that, he waited 40 years in the, in the desert. And then he gained like the presidency of a nation from Moses who had gone before him. And, and he went in and took the, the city of Jericho and he filled the promised land as God was calling to the... And he's got an amazing resume as a leader. This guy, wow, I want to be just like Joshua. So good. But then in Judges chapter 2, it says this about Joshua. This is at the end of his life. He says, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of God of the Lord, died at the age of 110. That's a pretty good innings. After that, a whole generation had been gathered uh, to their ancestors. Another generation grew up and neither knew the Lord or what he had done for Israel. See, I love Joshua. I don't want to dishonor him because he is incredible. But when you look at this, you see that he actually failed to create a legacy where the generations could thrive beyond him. There was a vacuum of leadership. There was a vacuum uh, in, that, in that environment. And in Psalm 78, from 5 to 7, it says this about God. He said, he, he gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded their, our ancestors to teach them to our children so the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born. And they, in turn, will teach their own children. Then they would put their trust in God and not forget his deeds. Like We've got this incredible privilege and responsibility to release the love of God to the next generation, the heartbeat of the Father, to make sure that we're making room beyond our lives into lives beyond us. I want to encourage you to let your life have an echo that reaches out beyond the generations and builds momentum. Let's speak life over the next generation. Let's not, I hate their rock music or their tattoos. Let's just continue to speak life and hope and belief and joy over them. Let's be a people who are determined to live beyond ourselves in our faith, in our prayers, in our generosity and in our love. Just want to do something right, just different right now. Um, for all of those who are over the age of 60, we just want to honour you this morning. And I just want to ask those who are over the age of 60 just to stand up to their feet. Go on, you can do it. We want to honour you. We want to honour you this morning. Um, and, and I don't want anyone in this place to feel ashamed of their age. I just want to, I want to thank you for your valuable years for the valuable years that you have been alive. I want to say that our generation, like we need you. We have needed you. and We didn't even know that we needed you. We want to just thank you for just having courageous faith, for going about your life and, 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 and laying your life down in surrender of God. That is incredible, courageous faith. And I just want to thank you this morning. Thank you for persevering. 
We've needed your prayers as well. You've made a way for us to be here. Thank you for believing. Thank you for loving. And thank you for being pioneers with the faith that you have. I just wonder, church, if we could all just stand and clap for the, for the older generation here this morning. We just honour you. We just really honour. We just so appreciate what you've done, and we don't want to ever take for granted the lives that you've led. We just thank you so much. This morning, and you can stay standing because we're just going to move to something else. If we can grab the band up here, that'd be amazing. We're going to take communion next. And in this time, um, as we take communion, I just want to encourage you to just to give thanks to Jesus for victory. You know, Jesus, the story in a nutshell is that he died on a cross and he died a horrible death and all the sin and all the bad stuff and all our pain and unforgiveness went on him. And he bore that, the weight of that. And he cried out, it is finished. And then he died. And then he went into a tomb and he was rose from the dead three days later. And the word goes on to say that the same power that rose Christ Jesus from the dead lives in you, lives in us and is available to us this morning. So as you take communion, I want you to remember that victory, that victory that you steward today, but that victory that you are stewarding for the generations. And after we've taken communion, I want to invite all those who are over 60 to come up to the front and to bless us as a church, just to receive the blessing of a father or of a grandfather or of a great-grandfather. If you've never actually received that kind of blessing, there's power in that blessing. And so we're just going to have a time of response at the end of the service today, just to be blessed from the older generation. This is a good thing. So right now, if you could just you just go, if you feel comfortable as you want to, there's a communion table at the front and one at the back. And you can just take communion in your own time, just giving thanks for that victory this morning. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit thrivechurch.co.nz.